back to From Me Para Ti podcast. My name is Pamela. Thank you for clicking in. If you are new to listening to my podcast, I really appreciate it. This episode is dedicated to talk about living independently when you have a disability. Because as soon as I turned 18 and got out of high school, I absolutely had no idea on what steps I had to take to live independently. And better yet, I didn't even know it was possible. So I hope that my experiences, I can give you a better like picture on things to consider when you are planning to live independently. Keep in mind that disabilities a spectrum and it also depends on where you live, if you live in the U.S. Now, I'm only going to be talking about the United States. So, if you live outside of the United States, I'm sorry because I really have no idea on what it's like to live outside of my country. But I'm sure if you do some research, uh, because that's what I did when I was planning on moving out, I did a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of research, and I contacted people who have a lie, who were older than me, and were living independently, and, you know, of course, if you do ask other people with disabilities, just keep in mind that not everyone is comfortable having conversations about certain topics, so just keep that in mind if you ever ask someone with a disability, even if they have the same disability as you, keep in mind that not everyone is open to conversations. So don't get offended if they prefer not to say anything because just have to respect each other. I know that not everyone has the obligation to educate others. Now, I'm the type of person that I'm pretty much an open book, especially if someone has osteogenesis perfecta like myself and they're younger than me. I try my best to answer their questions to the best of my ability, but I also let them know, like, just use my advice as a grain of salt because I know that things can be different amongst different states. Uh, it depends on your dynamic with your family, if you have family support, if you need more help for everyday tasks. So just because one method worked for me to live independently doesn't mean it'll work for everyone, if that makes sense. So I hope this episode is helpful because... I don't know, I think it would have been helpful for me when I wanted to live independently. I think it would have helped so much of, like, just to hear people's experiences and what they have done and and all that. So I think it's really important. So to start off, always keep in mind that you know best what's for you. I just want to put it out there. Because from my experience, I was always told what's best for me. And of course, especially if it's coming from parents and teachers, etc., you know, they mean well. But at the same time, no one around me knew the steps to take for me to be independent because we didn't even know that was possible so that was just my experience of why I was really anxious and getting older <laughs> because the reality and, and it's you know knock on wood and not to be gruesome but we have to keep in mind for those of us that did have a family support system or 
good support in our lives, they're not going to live forever. And it's sad to think about, but as for myself, I've had to keep that in mind more than my siblings. My siblings don't have a disability, so there are definitely a lot of things I had to think about that they don't have to think about. And since for a good majority of my early 20s, I did depend on my parents. Eventually, I tried my best to not necessarily like <laughs> it cut them off. Like, obviously, I don't want to cut my family off. But what I mean is there will have to come a day where you have to be efficient by yourself whatever that is so let's say you would depend on your family for your transportation all the time of course that's okay I'm not saying you know don't take any help from family but you it's important to find other ways for transportation because your family, unfortunately, will not always be there. I know that sometimes family dynamics can be complicated for some people. So also keep that in mind that if you don't have a healthy relationship with your family, it's really important to look at other methods of transportation. Um, and that's really important to talk about because the disability community doesn't necessarily talk about that, number one, you depend on others your whole life. I know a lot of people with disabilities depend on family their whole life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as we get older, we still depend on family more than an average 25-year-old. You know, of course, like I said, disability is a spectrum. Some people can literally be independent since day one, not day one. <laughs> I'm not saying like be a newborn baby and <laughs> you're independent. What I mean is, you know, you're able to get dressed on your own, able to go shopping on your own, etc. My siblings were able to get a license to drive. They were able to move out on their own without considering the fact if the place that they're moving into is accessible. You know, all these like extra pieces that an average Joe person without a disability doesn't have to think about. And when you do have a disability, there are so many things you have to think about. If the place that you're moving into is accessible, affordable. I know the majority of the people in the disability community don't have a job for either from discrimination or because they have health issues, whatever it might be. A lot of people with disabilities are unemployed or are living in poverty. So that limits you. I'm not saying you, that whoever's listening, but that limits the person who is in the poverty line depends on government assistance like Social Security, food stamps, etc. It will definitely limit you on what places you can afford. And unfortunately, a lot of ADA affordable apartments are in very poverty, poverty, <laughs> poverty neighborhoods. And that's another thing to also consider is you kind of pay what you get, if that makes sense. You get what you pay for. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that's also something to consider when it comes to budgeting and what you can afford. People don't tell you this until you realize it on your own, that living with a disability is very expensive. They don't tell you this in school. 
I mean, it is, <laughs> they don't even tell you in general what the adult life looks like of you have to pay taxes and bills and all these things. They don't teach you that in regular school. So on top of that, when you have a disability, definitely no one tells you that having a disability is freaking expensive because sometimes you have to modify your room or your restroom and that costs money but don't hesitate on modifying your room and all that because there are organizations and nonprofits organizations and different places that you can look into in your area that might donate at least a portion of modifications in your home or let's say you need a shower bench for example I got mine donated so if that is too expensive for you or maybe you have you need 10 things in your restroom to modify it for you to be independent well some places can say okay well I'll help you pay 50% of it or we can only help you with one item whatever it is is really helpful very very helpful I don't care if they only help me with one little thing that is a huge help especially when you are limited in money anything helps so definitely don't assume immediately that modifying your home is going to be impossible because it's expensive because there are organizations out there and services that can help you with them donating what you need or giving you uh, places to look at for you to get what you need. So, I know that's like a huge, huge intro, but that's just important because I've noticed in the disability community, there are, it, it can be wishy-washy sometimes. From my experience, again, this is just my experience, but from what I've noticed is the disability community sometimes compare to one another. And I guess that's just maybe human nature because even if you didn't have a disability at some point, you do compare yourself to others, whether it's your friends, family, your neighbors, your classmates, like it's just human nature. But what I've noticed in the disability community is there is like an invisible competition of who is more independent. And the reason I say that is because uh, myself and other friends of mine, we have noticed that intersectionality is really important because race and income and what kind of disability you have and how severe your disability is will influence how independent you will be. For some people, it takes them forever to have an accessible vehicle. For others, their family were able to afford it because they had money and so they gift it to their kid because I see that a lot in the disability community of those that grew up with money their parents are kind of like give them accessible vehicle for them to drive and there's nothing wrong with that but I just noticed that there's a lot of shame back and forth of like oh you're privileged you don't know what it's like blah 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 but at the same time if you are white with a disability you do somewhat have more of an advantage because of 
privilege from your race. Because even in the medical industry, the black community are less likely to receive the medical attention than white people. So when you have a disability, it just adds another level, another layer of discrimination. And I've noticed that a lot with the disability community is those who are privileged because they're white and have a disability, they're very nonchalant about disability rights and keeping SSI, having access to SSI for other people that need it, etc. just because they don't need it. Like they don't really try to defend tools that other people need. Just because you don't need it, you don't need SSI or food stamps or affordable housing, whatever it is, don't shame others that need it. I, I've seen um, some people in the OI community say, you are lazy if you receive SSI. I have literally seen people with disabilities, especially in the OI community, have said that you're lazy if you receive SSI, which is Social Security income. That they're able to work, they've been working since the age of 16, 17, or whatever, and if they can do it, so can other people. And that's great if you've never needed SSI, you never needed food stamps, you never needed these tools to be independent when you have a disability, but just because you don't need it doesn't mean it'll be like that all throughout the community. And race does play a huge role in how much access you and help you have to be able to get a job, to be able to get transportation and all these things. And it's really sad and frustrating when I see the disability community do have kind of cliques. <laughs> I feel like in a way, I feel like it's kind of like the movie Mean Girls, where like at one table, every, the people who grew up with money and white, but have a disability, they're kind of like, well, I've had everything, so you should keep up kind of thing. And then you have these other people <laughs> at the table where are like myself who my parents are first to first generation to move to the u.s and they're mexican and i was the first one in my family that we know of with disability so there was a lot i had to figure out on my own because my parents didn't know about so i had to figure it out on my own and it's different when you have family that can help you with navigating through the world. I hope that makes sense. That probably doesn't make sense. But <laughs> I just noticed that there is a difference. And it's really heartbreaking when white people who have a disability, even those who are not necessarily rich, say wild things and are saying that people with disabilities should work because they work. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, well, just because you're able to work and able to do X, Y, Z doesn't mean it's the same way for everyone. And you shouldn't shame other people with disabilities on how their life is. You know, like you don't know their story, you don't know their background or anything like that. So that's just something I've noticed because I feel like in the disability community, there's definitely divisions and and um, kind of clicks on who's more privileged and those who are privileged say they're not privileged and the things that they say are really hurtful and it just creates this cycle of division and, and separates the disability community. Because 
at the same time, I have privileges myself. You know, like, I don't look like a stereotypical Mexican, whatever that means, because Mexicans come in all different skin tones. There's Afro-Mexicans, too, so it, it, it really is a spectrum, too, of skin color and, and everything. But what I mean is I do look white passing, and who knows how my life would be if I was Afro-Mexican or if I was brown or if I had an accent like my parents do. I also have privileges in some ways when it comes to I have a bachelor's degree now. So in, in some ways in society they, they do look at that too then versus someone with a disability who never graduated from high school so there's all these like intersectionality of spectrum of privilege too of you can be black and come from a pretty good income household so you had access to a nice neighborhood which contributes to going to a good high school and receiving more resources on going to college, etc. So I know Latinx in the black community can come from wealth, but the portion is the percentage is very low. But I know I do keep in mind that there are some Latinx families and black families that, you know, do well. And they have a child with a disability and they're more likely to receive physical therapy or whatever they need for them to be independent and navigate their life. So I've noticed that too of it just really depends sometimes your family dynamic, your race, your income, all that really can influence on your adulthood. However, don't let that discourage you. If you're like me and grew up in a poor neighborhood, you didn't go to a great high school, so there wasn't that much information about going to college well enough to prepare me all these things I try to use that as inspiration to go to college <laughs> like as in you know just because I am first generation to go to college and I have a disability and all these other layers I am the type of person of I will figure it out kind of person. Um, but I also understand that I did have transportation, and I will talk about that soon in this episode, is transportation. Because people don't realize that transportation is a huge, huge, huge tool. Like, it's very important especially when you're an adult. And I'm really grateful that I had access to transportation. But here's the kicker. The transportation services that I use isn't that great. <laughs> it really isn't, but it's something. And it did support me in a sense of going to school every day, going to doctor's appointments, etc. So that's really important. It would be better, it would have been better if I was able to drive, and I am able to drive, it's just that's a whole new other topic, <laughs> probably a different podcast, but definitely it would have been better if I was able to drive, because... I have failed classes, I 
have had issues in keeping up with my courses and semesters and etc. Because sometimes they just wouldn't pick me up. <laughs> it's, it's messed up. And that's another thing that they don't tell you in life when you have a disability is, from my experience, I report horrible things that have happened in that transportation service. But not much has been done. They don't really take responsibility. They don't really care. Like, let's say they pick you up from your home and take you to the store. There's been so many times where they just don't pick me up or don't want to pick me up. And I'm stranded. And it takes me hours and hours to get home and calling multiple times to ask them to come and pick me up even though I made reservations ahead of time so it's not like a last minute thing the transportation service that I use you have to schedule a day now it's two days in advance but last year and before last year for years you have to schedule at least 24 hours in advance and they would be like, oh, well, there's no reservations here, so we're not picking you up. When I did make reservations, but on their side, they're like, no, you never made a reservation. Then how did you drop me off to the store, but you're not going to pick me up? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. Yeah, so just keep that in mind that this happens throughout the United States, unfortunately, is affordable transportation when you have a physical disability like a wheelchair, you need a wheelchair, <laughs> not a wheelchair, when you need a wheelchair, it can be really, really complicated, especially also if you have a service dog. I know many um, Ubers, services like uber and stuff they can reject you if you have a service dog that has happened to many people that they try to get an uber and then the driver comes to pick them up and they're like yeah i am not going to take you anywhere because i don't want a dog in my car which it's not just any dog, <laughs> it's a service dog, it's professionally trained, but unfortunately transportation services do discriminate, such as Uber, Uber is not accessible throughout the United States for people that use a wheelchair, um, I think Lyft is also not accessible, so that's just, it's just crazy, and really frustrated when people who don't have a disability act as though it's just easy to get transportation because their follow-up questions always are oh then you know get a vehicle to drive and it's like it's not that easy honey but I know that they don't know but it would be nice for people who don't have a disability to educate themselves because I think if more people without disabilities that don't need all these tools like affordable transportation, accessible transportation, um, ADA housing, etc., if they were to educate themselves, they can better advocate for there to be more options of transportation and all that. So, now that I just rambled and rambled, I made a list of things to consider when you are planning to move out on your own. But keep in mind that it's okay if you can't live 100% on your own. I have met people who need a PCA, for, which is a personal care attendant, for those of you who don't know. 
a PCA comes in and in and out of your home, of course, with your permission and everything, to come and help you with either bathing, house chores, cooking, etc., whatever you need. Um, and some people really do have to have someone with them 24 hours, which I know in some places there are group homes, I think that's what they're called, where there's always staff members in the area or in the building, in the apartment building, and they come and help you whenever you need help. Some people do better when they have roommates, whatever you need to just live a safe, independent life, whatever independence looks for you is okay. Because there's a lot of shame in, in the disability community too of, oh, you're 30 years old, why are you still living with mom and dad? Well, for some people, that's the only option that works at that time, and they shouldn't be shamed for it. Same with those who need a PCA or their PCA is their husband or wife, whatever works for you, works for you. But I'm just going to give you my advice from my experiences on what, a, what independence looks for me and what I had to look into when I was trying to be independent. So when I was looking for accessible apartments, I tried to look into how much is the deposit, how much is the rent monthly, if what what in, what is included in the rent. So let's say some places you pay rent and that covers water and lights, but not Wi-Fi and not repairs. So keep that in mind of when you are looking for an apartment or home or whatever is making sure you can afford to live there. Now we're not talking about groceries yet. We're not talking about accessible equipment and all that. I'm just saying look into how much does it cost to live there. I highly recommend to save, 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 save. I can't stress this enough because that's what I did. I saved for, gosh, I think a whole year or over a year. And when I was accepted in my apartment, by the time they accepted me, which there was a finally available unit for me, I already had enough money to put down a deposit, pay rent up front, and everything else. Because when you move for the first time, you don't have much. You really don't. You have to buy appliances, soap. I mean, <laughs> just things that maybe you have never paid for in your lifetime. So keep that in mind too, of when you move out to save money to buy cleaning supplies, you know, dishes, all those things, you will have to get on your own unless you have like friends and family or whatever that throw a housewarming party for you or give you housewarming gifts. That would be cool. But don't expect people to just help you with that. So I don't I definitely recommend to save up. Another thing is when you are looking for an apartment or home, what places do you need to be close to? Let's say you go to Walmart often and that is your jam, like that is your number one store. You can look into if you can 
find a home that's not far from Walmart. If you're in college like I was, I tried to find a home that wasn't too far from my college and not far from my family. Uh, I moved somewhere where I have access to the places that I go often because that will help too when it comes to transportation later on in my list that I have on important things that you should look into. So just the mileage of, let's say, it's important to be close to the clinic or hospital that you go to often for dialysis or anything, really anything. Make sure you don't live crazy far from important places that you need to go to often. Money, of course, is very important. Being able to afford rent and all that, I highly suggest doing like a budgeting beforehand if you can. Check in to see how much you would spend on groceries to what kind of Wi-Fi services is the best that you can afford because I did that um, when I moved into my home. I tried to get the best deal possible for my Wi-Fi. Same with, basically just look at the things that has nothing to do with rent and living there and, and utilities. Look in how much you're going to spend monthly. If you have a dog, like a pet, how much <clears throat> you spend on your pet or child, some people call them children, <laughs> how much you spend monthly on them, how much you spend on medications that you take monthly, how much you spend on all these things that are important to you, try to make sure that you can comfortably afford your rent, utilities, groceries, if you have a pet, medications, let's say you like to get a haircut every two weeks, I would write that down too, how much that is, transportation, for my transportation services, it's $3 to be picked up from home, and then $3 to come back home, so that's $6, so let's say I have somewhere to go Monday through Friday throughout the whole week, I mean, <laughs> not through, duh, I mean throughout the whole month, I take that into account. So for example, when I was going to school every day of the week, which is Monday through Friday, not on weekends though, I would count the days and how much it'll cost per month so I can you know, put that money aside. And I would do that ahead of time because some months are longer than others. So keep that in mind too. Give yourself a little wiggle room of extra money for certain things. For example, like groceries and transportation that can vary. Um, so definitely keep that in mind that some months are have extra days. And yeah, that's really important that I didn't really look into as time went on um, of like, oh dang, some months are longer than others. Um, let's see. Now let's talk about a personal care attendant, which is a PCA for short. This might be a controversial opinion, but I recommend to not hire family. Try not to hire family. And at first you might say, oh, I'm really close to my sister or brother. I'm very close to my aunt. Uh, whatever like it sounds all good at first but from my experiences and from even before I moved out um, an old friend of mine well unfortunately we're no longer friends but we're not close is what I mean we're, we're not close anymore and she 
gave me the advice of don't hire any family for your PCA. Don't hire any family. And I listened a little bit. I was like, okay, you know, I guess. But I ended up hiring a family member. And I wouldn't say that's maybe the one of the worst decisions of my 20s. But I would kind of add that to the list of it wasn't the best option. <laughs> it was a good option for a while, for a little bit. But it became not so fun experience. So I highly recommend, if you can, hire someone that you don't really know and that have done it for a while. You can look at personal care services in your area. I can't give you like a list of places to look into because some take Medicaid, some don't. It depends if you are a vet. It depends on how much help you need. They do a, a, what's it called, an evaluation. So they ask you a bunch of questions. And keep that in mind that it will be kind of personal questions. So when they ask you about, for example, which they will, (laughs) is what's the process to use the restroom? So let's say you have a catheter. Are you able to change the catheter and everything yourself? If not, you have to give them the steps on what the other person will do for you. Let's say you're able to use the toilet. Well, what steps What steps does it take for you to get on and off the toilet? Some people say, you know, I can get on and off myself, uh, but I need help pulling my pants down and putting them back up. So everyone is really different. Some people can transfer and they can't wipe on their own. It's just everyone is so, so different. So keep that in mind that it will be awkward <laughs> that um, a social worker or service coordinator might come to your house or maybe through the phone, especially in the pandemic that we're in right now, um, will ask you a gazillion questions on how independent you are, what do you need, and they will calculate on how many hours you need. Unfortunately, you can't always decide how many hours you want, but that will just depend on the agency that you pick or organization that you pick. Sometimes you can pick two places But keep in mind that if you're using your Medicaid for one service, a PCA, you can't use a different service that uses Medicaid too because your Medicaid would be maxed out. They kind of budget your Medicaid. Let's say your PCA Medicaid budget is 20 grand a month. So you can't go over that. And if you use one service that's already using your Medicaid and is maxed out, you can't use another agency. So I hope that makes sense. Um, For a while, I was using a nonprofit organization that would use my Medicaid for my PCA hours. And then I was using a different agency and they were using like a waiver budgeting thing that I had to apply for and yeah so I highly recommend that if you need a PCA for more than a couple of hours a day or whatever um, look into that too when you are planning on getting a PCA make sure you kind of make a schedule on how much does it take for you to shower um, with help, of course, because that's what the PCA is there for. Uh, how much does it take to clean your home? Uh, what do you need daily? Like, what is, uh, what is your everyday life looks like, basically? Because that'll help, too, when you do interviews. I had the privilege to choose my PCA, uh, even after 
I no longer had my family member do it for me. I interviewed other people to take her place. Um, so yeah, I interviewed them. I, I just was very honest with them. I let them know that I have a dog, so if they have any allergies with dogs or any, you know, fears with a dog, you know, just let them know and they can make a decision on, you know, being your PCA. So you really have to keep it just honest and unfiltered. You will have to just keep it real on if you need help wiping your body or if you need help with whatever you need, you have to be honest. Because that way, it's not a surprise to them on their first day. And yeah, that, that can be awkward. So it's better for you to get the best care and it's better for, for also for them, for them to know ahead of time on if this job position is best for them. So be honest on how much you're gonna get paid. Be honest if they have to work holidays. Be honest if they have to work on weekends, all that. If you, for whatever reason, for any reason, are no longer comfortable with that PCA, from my experience, I suggest to tell them the day that is your last day and the reason i say this and i know this sounds maybe harsh but it'll also depend on your pca too so let's say your pca was already showing signs of being abusive showing signs of being irresponsible etc you can go ahead and fire them in person or through a phone call or whatever method you want because safety is really important and I'm not saying this to scare you in any type of way but that's just the reality that there have been so many countless cases where a PCA is abusive and it's just not talked about that much as I wish that we could talk about but keep that in mind your safety comes first so for any signs of abuse and neglect and then not taking it serious and putting you in danger definitely definitely fire them and contact your service coordinator immediately of course if something does happen god forbid it doesn't then you know call 911 and contact someone that you can trust to come and help but yeah just keep that in mind Also, keep in mind if you need accessible aids and devices, like I have a Google Home, I recommend getting one, I recommend getting an Alexa, things like that, that you can use your voice to call someone, to set a timer, for to remind yourself if you need to take medications. I know some people with disabilities need to take medications at a certain time frame. And if you struggle with memory, um, I highly suggest getting some device that you can just say out loud, hey Alexa, set a t uh, an alarm for noon for my medications. You know, all these things are really important. I really recommend to get a grabber if you need one, if you need a vacuum that's lightweight, if you are able to vacuum on your own, definitely invest in a lightweight vacuum. I'm able to vacuum on my own as long as it's not heavy and bulky. Thanks to my boyfriend, he got me a really cool one. Um, let's see. Yeah, so just find devices and tools that you need around your home to make things easier for you if you need it. And of course, you know yourself best. So I can literally name a bunch of things that you can 
maybe get for yourself, but maybe you don't need. So it's definitely up to you. I highly recommend getting cameras in your home. I had to get one because an incident happened. So that it, that gave me like a wake up call to get a camera and I got the camera. It's very small, but it's really cool. I got it from Amazon, so you can get a very affordable camera, security camera uh, to you know, always have that you can attach connect it to your phone. So whenever you're not home or you're in a different room, etc., you can always know what's going on in other rooms of your home. Another thing to consider is shopping and deliveries. That's really important. So I suggest Instacart, Amazon. Instacart I really like for food delivery. Uh, you can pay for a yearly description. You can pay for a monthly description. It's up to you. If you use it really, really often, I highly recommend just paying the year subscription. Um, basically, uh, Instacart, how it works is it gives you a list of stores around you that works with the app. And you literally just shop in the app and someone, an employee from Instacart, just goes and shops for you and then they deliver it to your home you can put the time delivery when all that so it's really really freaking cool um amazon if you needed i i think you should definitely get amazon prime if you can you can um get a discount you can get i think um five dollars a month if you have medicaid there's an option on Amazon where you can get Prime for just $5 a month if you have Medicaid. So that's really cool. If you have Medicaid, take advantage of that. Prime, Amazon Prime is so helpful. Like, it's super, super helpful. Let's say I just need one item and I don't want to use Instacart or whatever because Instacart does have, um, like what's it called <laughs> like you you have to buy items that's over $30 I think so if I just want one item which is like soap or lotion or whatever like toilet paper whatever I can just use Amazon because I just want one thing and versus if I were to do it on Instacart I would have to buy multiple things so that's just helpful definitely helpful if you take medications, I recommend to call the pharmacies around you. Some pharmacies do deliveries. There are some apps. I don't know any at the top of my head, but I'm sure there are. I know CVS and Walgreens do deliveries. It just depends on where you live. So definitely contact your local pharmacies to see if they have delivery services and I hope that there are because that's really useful I use a pharmacy to deliver my prescriptions um, and I'm not gonna say the name of the pharmacy because just for safety of where I live but definitely definitely call every single pharmacy close to you or in the area that you're planning to move to if they have a pharmacy and options to deliver to you so that's really important too when you're moving to a, a home by yourself not by yourself well if you are <laughs> moving by yourself I'm not saying you have to but if you do plan to live on your own and you take medications very very often then I suggest you look into a pharmacy that will deliver to you so also keep that in mind of when you are moving to a home, making sure the pharmacy that you use and that will deliver to you, that will be cool too, to keep that in mind. Let's see. 
when it comes to transportation, that's really difficult. Extremely difficult. Because every state is different. Um, let's say, for example, my transportation service that I use, you have to renew every two years. Uh, you have to have a disability and a doctor's letter to qualify. You have to have a certain, like, income. Uh, you have to be living in the area where they, where the routes are. So that's something I also keep it kept in mind when I moved to my own home, is making sure that I was still around the area of the transportation service, because that is my number one source of transportation so I kept that in mind too when I was looking for apartments and stuff making sure the transportation service will be able to reach me and yeah I think that's about it I do want to just emphasize safety is really important when you have a disability um, unfortunately we have to be extra safe so I definitely recommend if you go out often, you know, with friends or going on vacation, etc. Try not to post too much on where you're at. Let's say you are at a restaurant with friends, you know, don't try to give too much clues on where you're at and how long you'll be away from home and when you'll be coming back home. Because, unfortunately, there's just really horrible people out there sometimes that are looking at your social media and giving them clues on where you live and where you're going can be really dangerous, especially when you have a disability. I'm not saying to live in fear, like, don't post anything and just, I understand you shouldn't live in fear and you have the right to just post that you had a great time at a restaurant or whatever. But what I do, I try to wait until I get home to post something uh, if I want to. And yeah, like I wait until I get home versus if I'm out in public. Like I don't want to show where I'm at in public in case I, someone's just being weird and is stalking me. That's just me. <laughs> uh, that's something that I really recommend and that also goes into with having security cameras in your home that you don't even have to drastically install in your home. Like, no tools required. Some camera security cameras that you literally just plug into the wall. You can get security cameras that look like a book, and you can <laughs> put it on a bookshelf and make it look like it's actually a book, but it has a tiny, tiny, tiny camera. So there's different types of security cameras um, that you can get. And I really recommend it. So I hope this podcast episode is helpful. Thank you to those that voted for this topic. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can check my Instagram. And I sometimes post questions on what's the next topic you all want me to discuss. I don't mind discussing about disability um lgbtq plus politics whatever it is definitely let me know on what topic you want me to do next i post every single friday and it's just me in my room with my phone <laughs> and my dog <laughs> um i i do plan to have like um guests in my episodes sometime this year um, but for now, it's just my voice. <laughs> so if you enjoy my podcast, I really appreciate it. Share it to anyone, even if they don't have a disability, for them to just learn of what it's like to live independently with a disability. And if you have a disability yourself, let me know if this was useful, if there are other things you wish I should have mentioned in this episode please let me know and I can do a part two series in this of in living independently when you have a disability. 
because literally this is a topic that I can talk about for hours. So it's really hard to just crush it down to an hour. But yeah, the producer of the beat and who edits my episodes is at mini producer. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And that is mini producer. You can find my Instagram at Mela, M-E-L-A, underscore the, T-H-E, underscore great, G-R-E-A-T. And my Twitter is just Mela the Great, without the underscore. So I hope this is helpful. Uh, follow me on Instagram. I'll be putting another um, voting question on what's the next topic for next Friday. So thank you for listening. Please be safe. Love yourself. Don't get discouraged if things look rocky right now and you're nervous to live on your own or whatever. There is always a way in whatever decisions you make that's best for you is the right choice. So trust your, trust your decisions because you know yourself best as long as you're being safe. So take care and I will chat with y'all later. Bye.